Chapter 2 of Original Stories from Real Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Original Stories from Real Life by Mary Wollstonecraft. Chapter 2 The Treatment of Animals. The Difference Between Them and Man parental affection of a dog, brutality punished. After breakfast, Mrs. Mason gave the children Mrs. Trimmer's fabulous histories, and the subject still turned on animals and the wanton cruelty of those who treated them improperly. The little girls were eager to express their detestation and requested that in future they might be allowed to feed the chickens. Mrs. Mason complied with their request, only one condition was annexed to the permission, that they did it regularly. When you wait for your food, you learn patience, she added, and you can mention your wants. But those helpless creatures cannot complain. The country people frequently say, How can you treat a poor dumb beast ill? And a stress is very properly laid on the word dumb. For dumb they appear to those who do not observe their looks and gestures. But God, who takes care of everything, understands their language. And so did Caroline this morning, when she ran with such eagerness to replace the nest which the thoughtless boy had stolen, heedless of the mother's agonising cries. Mary interrupted her to ask, If insects and animals were not inferior to men? Certainly, answered Mrs. Mason, and men are inferior to angels. Yet we have reason to believe that those exalted beings delight to do us good. You have heard in a book, which I seldom permit you to read, because you are not of an age to understand it, that angels, when they sang glory to God on high, wished for peace on earth as a proof of the good will they felt towards men. And all the glad tidings that have been sent to men, angels have proclaimed. Indeed, the word angel signifies a messenger. In order to please God, and our happiness depends upon pleasing him, we must do good. What we call virtue may be thus explained. We exercise every benevolent affection to enjoy comfort here, and to fit ourselves to be angels hereafter. And when we have acquired human virtues, we shall have a nobler employment in our Father's kingdom, but between angels and men a much greater resemblance subsists than between men and the brute creation, because the two former seem capable of improvement. The birds you saw today do not improve, or their improvement only tends to self-preservation. The first nest they make, and the last, are exactly the same, though in their flights they must see many others more beautiful, if not more convenient, and... Had they reason, they would probably show something like individual taste in the form of their dwellings, but this is not the case. You saw the hen tear the down from her breast to make a nest for her eggs. You saw her beat the grain with her bill, and not swallow a bit till the young were satisfied. And afterwards she covered them with her wings, and seemed perfectly happy, while she watched over her charge. If any one approached, she was ready to defend them at the hazard of her life. 
Yet, a fortnight hence, you will see the same hen drive the fledged chickens from the corn and forget the fondness that seemed to be stronger than the first impulse of nature. Animals have not the affections which arise from reason, nor can they do good or acquire virtue. Every affection and impulse which I have observed in them are like our inferior emotions, which do not depend entirely on our will, but are involuntary. They seem to have been implanted to preserve the species and make the individual grateful for actual kindness. If you caress and feed them, they will love you as children do, without knowing why. But we neither see imagination nor wisdom in them, and what principally exalts man, friendship and devotion, they seem incapable of forming the least idea of. Friendship is founded on knowledge and virtue, and these are human acquirements, and devotion is a preparation for eternity, because when we pray to God, we offer an affront to him if we do not strive to imitate the perfections he displays everywhere for our imitation, that we may grow better and happier. The children eagerly inquired in what manner they were to behave to prove that they were superior to animals. The answer was short. Be tender-hearted, and let your superior endowments ward off the evils which they cannot foresee. It is only to animals that children can do good. Men are their superiors. When I was a child, added their tender friend, I always made it my study and delight to feed all the dumb family that surrounded our house. And when I could be of use to any one of them, I was happy. This employment humanized my heart, while, like wax, it took every impression, and providence has since made me an instrument of good. I have been useful to my fellow creatures." I, who never wantonly trod on an insect, or disregarded the plaint of the speechless beast, can now give bread to the hungry, physic to the sick, comfort to the afflicted, and, above all, am preparing you, who are to live forever, to be fit for the society of angels, and good men made perfect. This world, I told you, was a road to a better, a preparation for it. If we suffer, we grow humbler and wiser. But animals have not this advantage, and man should not prevent their enjoying at the happiness of which they are capable. A she-cat or dog have such strong parental affection that if you take away their young, it almost kills them. Some have actually died of grief when all have been taken away, though they do not seem to miss the greatest part. A bitch had once all her litter stolen from her and drowned in a neighbouring brook. She sought them out and brought them one by one, laid them at the feet of her cruel master, and, looking wistfully at them for some time, in dumb anguish, turning her eyes on the destroyer, she expired. I myself knew a man who had hardened his heart to such a degree that he found pleasure in tormenting every creature whom he had any power over. I saw him let two guinea-pigs roll down sloping tiles to see if the fall would kill them. "'And were they killed?' cried Caroline. "'Certainly, and it is well they were, or he would have found some other mode of torment. 
When he became a father, he not only neglected to educate his children and set them a good example, but he taught them to be cruel while he tormented them. The consequence was that they neglected him when he was old and feeble, and he died in a ditch. You may now go and feed your birds, and tie some of the straggling flowers round the garden sticks. After dinner, if the weather continues fine, we will walk to the wood, and I will show you the hole in the limestone mountain, a mountain whose bowels, as we call them, are limestones, in which poor crazy Robin and his dog lived. End of chapter 2